I want to go into the Old Testament today, and the title of my message is Resign, Resigned, or Resigned. And I'm using an Old Testament incident from the book of Jeremiah. I'll give you a little background of it in just a moment, but let's read, first of all, my text from Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 through 9. O Lord, you induced me, and I was persuaded. You're stronger than I and have prevailed. I'm in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I speak, I cried out. I shouted violence and plunder because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones I was weary of holding back, and I could not. I'll give you a little background here. Jeremiah, this great prophet, in fact, he, he has a large book in your Old Testament, his prophecy by his name. He also has another book, the book of Lamentations, that he also wrote, which might give you a little insight about the time in which Jeremiah was prophesying. Unfortunately, during the time of Jeremiah's uh, life and ministry and prophecy, there, there was some terrible things going on in, in his nation. And so much of his prophecy has to do with impending judgment that was coming if people didn't get right with God. And uh, so that's, that's kind of tough. And at this particular point in chapter 20 of his writing, he is very upset because things are not going to suit him at all. He has just preached a fantastic message, a message that's from the Lord. And when he finished preaching, um, he, he had some dignitaries in his congregation. One of them was the governor of the house, and um, name was Priest Pasher. And, and um, the Reverend Mr. Pasher got so upset with Jeremiah's sermon that when he finished, he just walks right up on the platform where he's speaking and just hauls off and hits him as hard as he could, just slapped him right across the face. And then, because of his power and position, he called for some guards to come and handcuff Jeremiah and drag him out to the front gate of the place and put him in stocks and let him sit out there for the next 24 hours. So everybody coming in and out of church saw the prophet of God in stocks, made fun of him right out at the gate of the church. Now you can see why he's upset. Try to put yourself in his position if you can. This is what you talk about humiliation. Well, if you, if you, let's, let's read it. Chapter 20, the first two verses. Now, Pasher, the son of Emmer, the priest, who was also the chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Then Pasher struck Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. Now, having gone through this humiliation, First of all, being slapped right in front of everybody, and then being put in stocks at the gate at the house of the Lord for 24 hours. Jeremiah had some thinking to do. What's he going to do? What's, what's going to be his response to what's going on? Now, most of us could give him some good advice, couldn't we? 
I tell you right now what I'd do, bless God, somebody hit me in the face and lock me up and handcuff me for 24 hours. I just tell them, I tell them where to get off. I just, I just, I just tell them what they could do with this job. <laughs> now I'm trying to get you to feel what he must have felt like going through that. And here's what might surprise you. That's exactly what he did. He he resigned. Look at it. Chapter 20. I read it a while ago. Verse 9, the first sentence. Then he said, look at it on the screen. I will not make mention of him. Notice him is in capital letters here. He's talking about God. In other words, he said, I resign as prophet. I'm done with this preaching thing. I will not make mention of God anymore nor speak anymore in his name. That, that's it. I hand in my credentials. You can take my ordination papers, do whatever you want to do with them. I am done with the ministry. That's what Jeremiah said. And that's, that's just what a lot of folks do today. We, we hear a lot of talk about how tough it is to be a Christian or how, how difficult it is to work for the Lord. And we, we hear that it's becoming more and more difficult to be a Christian in America because we're becoming more and more marginalized. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people in our country are just, they just throwing in the towel. They say, I don't want to reproach. I don't want to take a chance. I don't want to get shot. I don't want to get shot at. I don't want to be marginalized. I don't want to be persecuted in any way. So I, I just tell you what, I just, I just quit. I just resign. I just resign. And, and then there's some today that talk about the good old days, how good it used to be. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I like to talk about the good old days too. I like to think about the good old days. But here's what's, what happens with memory. Psychologists tell us that memory is very selective. And none of us have perfect memory. Uh, I don't, well, maybe my wife. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but aside, in your wife, aside from our wives, you know, the rest of us, we just don't have perfect memory. And, and memory tends to be selective, and we tend to remember that. Listen, what we, what we forget when we think about the good old days and how wonderful it was when the presence of God was so real and when folks were running to the altar and giving their heart to Jesus and lives were being changed and folks were getting healed and being set free and delivered and all those things. What we forget is that when all of that was happening, we were seeking God with all of our hearts. We were going after God. We didn't worry about the persecution. We didn't worry about being made fun of. We didn't worry about being called Holy Roller and everything else in the book. We just pursued God and let the rest of the things take care of themselves. And God did meet with us in a powerful way. But I'm here to tell you this morning, according to this scripture, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing has changed with God along those lines. If we would pursue him like we did in the good old days, he would be here like he was in the good old days. Amen? So, so we, we need to take another look at that. And then, then there's some folks that says, well, I, I love the good old days, but I just can't do what I used to do. And, and so they resign. By the way, Jeremiah had thought about this before. This wasn't the first time. This guy had a tough time. You, you read the book of Jeremiah. It's not easy reading, but you read the book of Jeremiah and you'll realize this guy lived in a time when it was tough to be a prophet of God. 
And I don't have time to go into a lot of details, but he was put in dungeons and, and uh, put in a place where he sunk down in the mud until uh, he would have died if, if uh, somebody hadn't come and rescued him. They, they, they made uh, some straps that he could put under his arms. He was about to go under in the, in the mud and, and uh, completely die, and they pulled him up out of that. I mean, and he thought about quitting before. In fact, if you go all the way back to chapter 9 in the book of Jeremiah, verse 2, the first sentence of that verse, you'll, you'll find these words. Look at this. Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place for travelers, that I might leave my people and go to them. This, this is what he said. Look, look at it. He said, if I, if I just had a, a, a place for travelers in the wilderness. You know what he's saying? Let, let me put it in more modern words for you. <laughs> I'm tired of preaching. I think I'll just buy me a motel and go in business because I got a good business head on me and, and, and I'll make a good living and I won't have to put up with all this stuff that I'm having to put up with in, at the church. That's what Jeremiah was thinking way back there. By the way, um, I've seen other preachers do that. I had a preacher friend many years ago who, who did exactly that. He, he had a great church, but things got kind of tough, and so he resigned and bought a motel in Phoenix, Arizona, and went out there and started making a living. And I, I remember well, I, I admired his Lincoln Town car, and I admired the beautiful suits he was able to buy, and I, I admired the expensive shoes that he wore, and I, I admired his, his ability as a businessman, but he left the ministry. I'll tell you more about that later. Now, when you start trying to figure out why people quit, you have trouble getting information. Check it out at the library, your Christian bookstore, wherever you want to. It's hard to find a book that is entitled, This is Why I Quit, or Here's 12 Reasons Why I Backslid. <laughs> You're just not going to find it. It's not out there. So I have to surmise. I don't know exactly why Jeremiah quit. I don't know why he resigned exactly. So I'll just surmise. I'll give you three little things that I think may have played in to his resignation. Number one, perhaps it was because of loneliness. Did you know that there is a loneliness that goes along with leadership? Study any, um, any class you want to of leadership, and they will tell you that it can be lonely. You can be lonely in a crowd. Did you know that? And sometimes in leadership, there is a loneliness that goes with it because sometimes you have to make decisions that are not popular, and sometimes you have to make decisions that, 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 that leave you feeling like you're all in this thing by yourself. Maybe that was part of it with Jeremiah. Yeah, I know one thing. It was lonely in that dungeon when he was in there by himself. So maybe it was because of loneliness. Maybe, just maybe it was because of rejection. Now, I've been blessed in, in the ministry. I've never had to go through what Jeremiah went through. I mean, I've preached some sermons in the past that, that everybody didn't, wasn't crazy about, you know. I've had some resistance to something. You know, so when you preach against sin, sometimes people get upset. But, but, but I've, never, I've never had anybody, and I hope you don't do it, and I hope if you try that there's some men that will help stop you before you get here. But I've, I've never had anybody just stand up at the end of my sermon and walk forward and just bust me in the mouth right up here on the platform. 
and then handcuffed me and dragged me out to the gate down there at, at, at Old Bel Air Road and, and locked me up and, and let everybody make fun of me as they gone in, went, uh, going in and out from church for 24 hours. I haven't had to go through any of that. But do you agree with me that Jeremiah must have really sensed some rejection? And rejection hurts. Maybe, maybe he resigned because of rejection. Or, or maybe, just maybe, you got to remember the man's human for heaven's sakes. I don't care if he is a prophet of God and has two books in the Bible that, 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 that he penned, but he's, he's human. Maybe, maybe it was self-pity. Maybe he just said, I, I, I've just, I've had it. Maybe he's just having a pity party. I don't know why. But I know this. Resign if you must. But if you think you're miserable now, wait till you quit. Just wait till you quit. There is more misery ahead. You know, the most miserable people in the world are quitters. Unfortunately, there are people in the church. I'm not talking about new hope. I'm talking about in the church world in general. You understand what I'm saying here? That, uh, that there are a lot of quitters. How do you know that, preacher? I know that because right now we're going through a whole lot of stuff in our nation that we would not be going through if every man, woman, boy, girl that professed the name of Jesus would rise up and be the light of the world and the salt of the earth that we're supposed to be. Amen? So, so there's a whole lot of people that have copped out. There's a whole lot of people that have turned in their, their papers. There's a whole lot of people who have quit. You see it in the church, people who receive the Word of God, and they say, I'll go, but they don't go. They'll receive the Word of God with gladness and joy, but then they don't have any depths and any root. Jesus gave a parable talking about these, didn't he? And so after a while, when they get offended, and can I say to you this morning, if you serve God very long, somebody will offend you along the way. I mean, again, we, we're, just, we're just human. We're just people. And we, we hurt one another sometimes and not, not intentionally. There are people who will join the choir and they'll sing in a nighting bird uh, sound for a, for a wonderful while. But then all of a sudden their nightingale voice turns into a raven croaking and they'll say, somebody hurt my feelings. And somebody will hurt your feelings because, again, we're human. And there's some that will aspire to offices in the church until they find out that their office doesn't run the program, and then they'll, they'll back. There are a lot of reasons why people quit, and I'm not going to make an exhaustive list of that because I want to get on to the other points of this message today. But, but Jeremiah resigned. Now, let me tell you what he could have done that I think is just as bad, maybe even worse, than just resigning. Jeremiah could have become resigned. When you put it in the past tense like that, I, I put the definition there. It means to submit without resistance. Jeremiah could have said, I might as well just go along with the crowd. You see, what upset everybody was that all the other preachers were preaching different than Jeremiah. Jeremiah was hearing from God. The rest of the preachers were preaching to please the people. Jeremiah could have said, this is a lost cause. I, I just... I'll just, um, I'm not going to fight this resistance. I'll just be like everybody else. I'll just ever tell everybody, you're okay, I'm okay, we're okay. We're, God doesn't care if you sin. Just go ahead. His grace will cover you all and everything will be all right. You just live like you want to. And he'll slide you in somewhere at the end of the way. 
He could have done that. In, in, in fact, there, there's some people that they don't want to proclaim the Word of God anymore. They just submit to the status quo, whatever that is. They just go along with it. They have that defeatist attitude that says, it's never going to get any better. I might as well just accept my circumstances and learn to live with it because it's never going to give any better. It's never going to change. And so they just settle in to accept it. Now, folks, I, I understand. I'm realistic enough to know that there are some things that are inevitable and those things you do accept. And I know there's some things that are impossible and you've got to deal with those things with common sense. But I also know that there are some things that are absolutely inexcusable. And a Christian should not become resigned to accept those things that are inexcusable. Amen? We, we, should, we, should, we should be light and salt and do something about that. Of course, there's some conditions that are here to stay until Jesus comes. I realize that. The devil is here until Jesus takes care of him, but I don't have to serve him. Amen? I don't have to invite him to my house. Sin is here and won't be dealt with until Jesus comes back and takes care of it completely, but I don't have to partake in it. Liquor is here and it's legal, but I don't want my boys to be drunks. Amen? Drugs are here, and I, I know you can't clean up the whole thing. There seems to be ways of getting it out there, and, but I don't want anybody in my family hooked on it. Do you? We don't have to accept those things. Hatred is out there. There's some people who are going to hate, but I don't have to be a hateful person, and I don't have to hate people. Racial discrimination is out there, but we don't have to participate in that. There's all kind of injustice out there, but we don't have to accept that as normal. And as the body of Christ, we shouldn't accept it as normal. We should stand up for the cause of Jesus Christ and declare what thus saith the word of the Lord. The early church did not adjust to the situation. They adjusted the situation. They made a change. Martin Luther did not say, I see all of these horrible things that are going in the, on in the church, but I can't do anything about it. No, Martin Luther stood up and listed those things that were abomination to God that was going on in the church and took a piece of paper and a hammer and a nail and nailed them to the front door of the church, knowing that it could have cost him his life. But some people just resigned, just let it come, let it go, whatever case at all. So John Wesley did not resign to the deadness in the church. When he tried to preach and bring revival, they kicked him out and said, you can't preach in our churches anymore. And so John Wesley said, I don't own much, but he said, I've got a little piece of property over there in the churchyard. I can't preach in the church, but he said, I own that piece of ground where my daddy's buried, paid for that plot in that cemetery. And he said, bless God, I'll get my Bible. That's what he did. Went right out there and stood up on the tombstone of his daddy and preached until he took, shook two continents with the fire of the Lord and brought revival to two nations. Amen. Because he refused to accept the status quo. There's some people that are so resigned, they just say, oh, well, we might as well accept it. It's, it's here to stay. Our, our founding fathers didn't do that. Our founding fathers stood up against the mightiest empire in the world at the time. 
And they had nothing except, I mean, the odds were so against them, a little ragtag army. They'd worn, many of them had worn their boots and their shoes completely out. And they were going barefooted. And when the snow came in Virginia, that winter, that hard winter at Valley Forge, many of them wrapped their feet with burlap bags and continued to fight. Many of them lost toes and some lost their feet with frostbite. But they fought so that you and I could be sitting here on this Sunday morning with religious freedom because they won. They refused to accept the status quo. They said, we will be free people. Thank God for them. We're living in a day of resignation, not to the inevitable, and, but to the inexcusable and the unjustifiable. We don't need to res become resigned. And we don't need to resign. Here's what we need to do. And I want to hurriedly tell you that I, I don't want to leave you with the wrong impression about Jeremiah. Jeremiah resigned, but his resignation did not last for long. Here's what Jeremiah did. Let, 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 let me just read it to you. It's in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, the second sentence. This is after he said, I'm not going to speak anymore of him. I'm not going to. Here's what he said. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. He said, I just can't. I just can't live with this resigned stuff. He said, he said, give me my credentials back. I don't care whether you like my preaching or don't like it, Jeremiah said. I don't care if you believe my prophecy or don't believe my prophecy. I know what the Word of the Lord is. I know what God's saying to me, and I'm going to proclaim it and leave it with you and God. Y'all do whatever you want to with it, but I'm sign me back up. Let me get going again. Let, let, me, let me tell you about some other characters that, that fit right in there with uh, Jeremiah on that re-signing business. Remember Isaiah, his book in the Old Testament is right next to Jeremiah's. Two of major prophets wrote long chapters. And you know, Isaiah's got 66 chapters in his book. Jeremiah 52 in his. A, a, a great, great men of God. Jeremiah, Isaiah, remember, he got very discouraged. He got depressed in the year that King Uzziah died. Everything was going downhill. He, 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 he bemoaned the losses that they were having, and, and he was just about to give up. He was so discouraged, and he went to the house of the Lord. And the presence of God filled the house. The train of the Lord filled the temple. And the Spirit of God came in so strong that he shook the doorpost of the temple of God. And all of a sudden, a seraphim came with a live coal from the altar of God in heaven and touched the lips of Isaiah. And he heard a voice saying, Who will go and who shall we send? And Isaiah jumped to his feet and raised his hand and said, Here am I. Here, here I am. Send me. Here. I'll go. I'll go. Sign me back up. Sign me back up. Get me back in the army and let me go again. I'm ready. I'm ready to go for God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know anybody in the whole Bible that had more reason to be discouraged than did Job. Job not only was discouraged, but his wife discouraged him. His friends discouraged him. Everybody discouraged him. He discouraged himself some. But in chapter 42, verse 5, he said, Lord, I've heard you by the hearing of the ears, and now my eyes have seen you. He, brought, he came up out of that discouragement and said, I'm still here, Lord. 
sign me back up. I want to go again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I think most of you know that this has been a tough time for my family. My wife and I, we've, we've struggled with problems in our own family and difficulties. And I, I'm, I'm just going to be transparent and honest with you this morning. I'm, I'm preaching to you out of my heart. I'm preaching to you out of what I'm, ex- what I'm experiencing. And only one other time in my ministry here have I ever reached this point. It was way back nearly 35 years ago when we tried to buy the old J.M. Fields building and that fell through. And I got so discouraged that I wanted to quit. I just wanted to leave. And I found myself in that place. I talked with the board about this a, f- a few months ago. And, and, and let me tell you this, the, our, your, your board, they're godly men. And they've been so supportive with their prayers and their encouragement. I thank God for them. Somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago, said, who's pushing you to retire? And I said, absolutely nobody. Any, 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 it, it's self-inflicted. It's, it's what I'm feeling and the hurt that we're going through right now that's, that's caused that. So I, I, I talked with the board. I said, I, I'm just going to take the month of June off from the pulpit. I'm not going to preach another thanks to Pastor Reagan and others that have helped us through the month of June. And I appreciate that so much. And I, I just stayed out of the pulpit for the month of June. And as much as I was able, I just fasted and prayed during the month of June. I said, God, I've got to have some answers. And God came through with some answers. I found myself about to make some tragic mistakes. And that's the reason I took some time to fast and pray because I, I, I picked up the phone twice in, in one day to make a call. And the Holy Spirit stopped me both times and said, you're about to make a mistake. You need to pray this through before you make this decision. And so I, I stopped and I realized that if it was that serious, I probably needed to get along with God. And I've spent as much time as I've been able to for the last month. And I want to tell you this morning, God is so faithful. God is so true. And I realize that this is not a time for resignation. This is not a time to sit back and accept the status quo. This is a time, this is a time for us to go forward. Amen. I I know we're in a time of transition, and I know there's a lot of changing going on, but God's seen us through transitions before, and He's always brought us to victory, and He's always taken us to another level. Amen? And I'm believing God to do it again. Let let, let me conclude by just sharing a couple of of incidents uh, in people that I really admire in the Old Testament that that went through some of this. One of them, let, let me introduce you to a guy named Eleazar. In, in the Old Testament. He was, he was one of the top guys in David's army. You know, David had a, he had a fantastic uh, army that followed him, massive army. And been, out of those, many times the Scripture would talk about 600 uh, of his men that were just kind of like special forces. And, and then there was another group, 400 of his mighty men that, that kind of achieved a level even above that. And then there were others, like, you know, like 50 and hundreds. And you read towards the end of David's life and he gives compliments to all these. But there were three guys, three men, three men. One of them was Eleazar that, that achieved more than anybody else. I mean, they were at the top of the list. And, and oh, oh Eleazar. But I want you to look what this guy had to overcome to accomplish what he accomplished. First of all, Eleazar was an Ahohite. In other words, if you'd run into Eleazar, you'd say, hey, hey Eleazar, who, what, what family are you from? Eleazar would have said, Ahohite. 
we, we, I'm from the Ahohite clan. He kind of probably duck his head down when he said that. You know, God has amazing ways to keep us humble, doesn't he? And, and then, then if you'd have gone a step further, and listen, if you'd have gone a step further and say, yeah, yeah, I know them Ahohites. I know them guys. Which, who's your daddy? Which one of them boys? I know them Ahohite boys. Which one are you? And he would have said, Dodo. And, who's that? Who's your, what's your daddy's name? Dodo. You think I'm making this up, don't you? Here, put it on the screen. It's in 2 Samuel. It's in 2 Samuel. You think you got family problems. Listen. This helped me out this week. 2 Samuel 23, 9 and 10. And after him was Eleazar, uh, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David when they had defiled the Philistines who were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel had retreated. Wow. Let, 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 me, let me read on a little further. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to plunder. Uh, let, me, let me tell you what happened. The armies of, of David attacked the Philistines. And the Philistines turned on them. And David's army retreated. And in the retreat, here's Elahaz. Uh, 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 he's, he's, he's one of them. Elazar, he's, he's running the wrong direction. And all of a sudden, he just stops and spins around on his heels and grabs his sword and said, what in the name of sense is wrong with me? This is no time to retreat. We're part of God's army. And I don't care if all the rest of you go. In fact, all of them did except two others. There were three men and David. So you got four guys that turned on the Philistines and fought them the rest of the day. Uh, hell of, <laughs> this, guy, this guy fought them until his, they had to pry his fingers off of his sword at the end of the day. Because, and God wrought a mighty victory through him. Yeah. Oh, the Ahohite, the son of Dodo. How would, you like to, how would you like to go to kindergarten with that? Who's your daddy? Dodo. <laughs> Elementary school, middle school, high school. I mean, but he refused to let any of that stop him. He said, this is time to get with it. This is time to go. Let me give you one other, and I'll close. I remember Gideon, the Old Testament, book of Judges, Gideon, the great judge of Israel. Remember, he started out with 32,000 men, and God gave him a test, and 22,000 left him. So he went from 32,000 to 10,000 in one fell swoop. And then God said, that's still too many. And God put another test on them, and everybody left but 300. Look at this in Judges chapter 8, verse 4. When Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the 300 men who were with him crossed over, exhausted, but still in pursuit. I want you to, I want you to look at that last few words. Exhausted, but still in pursuit. I heard a preacher tell the other day about a, 
watch that his family gave him a few years ago. It was a Garmin watch. It was an unusual watch. It had a GPS in it. Imagine that in your watch. And he said the only thing wrong with it was that when you use the GPS, it just drained the battery. The very thing that it was made for drained it. Can I tell you this morning that nothing will drain you like family problems? Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you have gone through it. Some of you are going through it right now. You know what I'm talking about. And we were made to live in families. Family is God's institution. But there's nothing will drain you like problems in your family. Nothing. Nothing. And I'm talking to some of you today that are right at the point of throwing in the towel. You've had about all you can take. You're ready to resign. There are others of you sitting here this morning, you've already resigned. You quit praying. You quit believing. You've lost hope. You're not exercising your faith. You've just finally become resigned. You just said, well, this is the way it is. I might as well learn to live with it. And I've come to challenge you this morning that instead of resigning or instead of becoming resigned to your situation, why don't you just stand up this morning and sign back up and realize that you and God are a majority. I don't care if everybody else leaves you. Amen. 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 We, 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 need, we, need some of the, we need some of that Elazar thing. We need, we need to turn on our heels this morning and say, that, that's it. rest of you can run if you want to, but I'm, I'm facing this enemy in the name of Jesus. I'm, I'm coming against this thing in the name of Jesus. There's, there's a mighty victory ahead of me in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to miss it. I'm going to resign. Sign me up. I'm ready for the battle. Amen. Stand with me, if you will, all over this house. I don't care if your daddy is dodo. <laughs> I, I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to come through this thing. Don't, don't, let it, don't let it get you down. Don't let it destroy you. Don't let it, instead, come out the other side of this thing with victory. That's what God wants for all of us. Amen. Amen. Elahaz turned and fought until his hand had to be fingers pulled away from the sword, but God gave such a mighty victory that the whole nation came in and enjoyed the spoil. I don't know about you this morning, but when I see what all is going on in our nation, I was so encouraged just a, just a little while ago. I, I checked in with Bethany and in Baton Rouge, and you know what horrible things have gone on in Baton Rouge. And if you look at the news, you think that everything's a lost cause. But Pastor Larry is telling us that uh, that the the preachers are coming together and the churches are coming together. They've already got over ten thousand people from churches all over Baton Rouge that are hitting the streets to just do good things to each other and love one another. So let's get this thing back together. Amen. In the name of Jesus. 
You see, it doesn't matter with God about, about your background. It doesn't matter with God. God doesn't see things like, like man sees them. And, and, and the world would like to divide us and separate us and, and, and cause all kind of, of, of hurts and divisions among us. But, but, but we're all in this thing together. We're, I don't care who you are, where you came from. I don't care if you're from the other side of the earth. I don't care what color your skin. I don't care what your education is. I don't care what your job is. I don't care how much money you got or how much money you don't have. It doesn't matter to me. If you belong to Jesus, you're my brother, you're my sister. We're in the army of the Lord, and I want to encourage you to resign this morning. Let's get going. In case you hear a rumor that your pastor has retired, tell him you saw him this morning, and he's not retired. He's refired. And I'm not going to become resigned to the status quo. I'm not satisfied with what's going on in this world. And I may be exhausted this morning, but I'm still pursuing. I'm going after the heart of God. And I'm going after God until God reigns revival in this house. Until we see again the mighty move of God and the Spirit of God flowing from one end of this place to the other. And people are running to God in the altars and giving their heart to Jesus. And people are being healed and set free and delivered. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want it again in this house for the glory of God. Glory to God. I want you to bow your head with me for just a moment, just for one purpose. I don't want anybody looking around. I want you to be honest with me. And with God, if you're fighting a battle in your family, I don't know what it may be. You may be struggling with a lost son or daughter. You may be struggling with broken relationships with your siblings. Maybe a problem with your mom and dad. I don't, whatever it may be this morning. But if you're dealing with family issues, would you just raise your hand? Just, oh, my, my. Oh, my. Thank you. You can put them down. I want you to lead the way. The altar's open. I'm not going to ask for anybody. I, ju I just want you to come and pray. I'm not, I, I want you to come and find a place to pray. And I want, I want those of you that are standing here and saying, Preacher, I'm battling. I've just, I'm on the verge of quitting. But I've decided this morning I'm not going to resign. I'm going to resign. I want you to come. I'm, I'm just going to renew my covenant with God this morning. I'm just going to come back to the Lord this morning and say, Lord, count me in. I'm, I'm in this thing to stay. I, I'm going to renew my covenant with you. Come on, the altar's open. Just find a place to pray. Just find a place to pray. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart, I believe God can give us revival in this place this morning. If we'll just call out to God and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. I'm willing. I'm ready. Count me in. God bless you as you come.